weekend racing. It's time to recap it. And who better to do it than Michael New Magic? Two bros slash pros who cover the highs and lows of racing around the globe on every one of their shows. Real fans look forward to these guys and their last thoughts because they know they're not talking out of their royal ascot. What they say makes sense. So ladies and gents, sit back and relax as Blinkers Off presents The Magic Mike Show. Where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com. What's up, everybody? Guess what? When Magic's away... I get to pick the intro, and we're playing the old one, the full version of it. You gotta love it. We got Aaron Halterman here today with me. Aaron, how's it going, man? It's going awesome, man. I told you on the on the Daily Show, I'm really looking forward to this one. This is a great uh, Haskell, a really good card, and boy, it just has a feel of a big, big weekend, doesn't it? I mean, we haven't had one in a while, I feel like, maybe since Belmont, but this has the feel of a big weekend. It really, really does. Eight entries for the Haskell. We'll be covering the late pick five from Monmouth Park races, 10 through 14 on today's show. And the Haskell smashed right in the middle of that. The 12th race, eight horses enter in. I don't know who you like in the race. You don't know who I like in the race, but it is a just a great field. We've got Mage returning, your previous your, your Kentucky Derby champion. We've got Arabian Knight on the outside who's going to try and jump up into Stakes Company and, and take care of business here in the grade one Haskell. Mandela ships one out and go rocket ride who will be in the race draws the rail there Mandela Mandela's only shipped once before 2000 Dixie Union won the race so keep that in mind as well and then there's extra Neho as well for Asherson who was probably the most impressive horse at Saratoga this time last year as a two-year-old didn't get to see a couple of these in that triple crown chase actually three of the four but really shapes up a phenomenal race and the pace is going to be very interesting as well yeah, we've kept saying it all year, you know, during the Triple Crown. It's like, boy, I wish some of these horses would have made it or hadn't got hurt or this or that. Well, here we are, right? They're here. Some of them, at least, are here. And so now we're going to see how some of these quote-unquote new shooters line up against the ones that have been running in the Triple Crown races. You got the super intriguing mage. Is he the derby horse? Is he Florida Derby Preakness mage? Who is he? Well, this is going to be the first big step in really finding out. So, And look, I think, you know, number one three-year-old in the country is – squarely on the line in this race if mage wins there's no doubt he's number one as we head into you know uh, travers season basically uh and some of these other horses could be the same as well so this is freaking awesome i i think i think this is the best three-year-old race we've had to be completely honest it's very intriguing i don't know if i'm gonna go as far as saying best it's a wildly intriguing race three of them in my mind are not proven mage is the only proven horse in the spot yeah it'd be great to see go rocket ride extra anejo and arabian night all run well because then you know what all four probably point toward the travers we've got the, the curlin today we've got the jim dandy next weekend races that are also going to have horses pointing toward the travers and what could be one of the best fields we've seen in years if we get 10 to 12 of these three-year-olds and it's Archangelo, and it's Hit Show, and it's Forte, and it's Arabian Lion, and Go Rocket Ride, and Mage. It could be a just special Travers up here in Saratoga. It could be epic, yeah. You may need to be flying back if that's the case for that one. But listen, again, like I said, I, I you know, when these horses were two-year-olds, and I thought, man, we got a great class, and then they all just kind of fell by the wayside one by one. Some didn't come back, but at least now some of them are back, and we can, like I said, it's a big proving ground. You know, I, I don't ever remember a Haskell or boy, it's it's just a usually Haskell like it's won by a, an established horse. This time, 
this is like a coming out party for a lot of these if they can get the job done, you know, minus Mage, pretty much. And uh, we buried the lead. Michael Olson mentions it. Haven't even talked about Tapatrice yet, who's also in the race and was everyone's Belmont pick for a while there. Uh, not mine, but it, uh, no, every, a lot of people liked him in the Belmont before the Kentucky Derby even ran. He'll be back in the Haskell, probably well, pointing toward the Travers as well. Michael, I think you had me confused with Jared. I <laughs> I was on the Tapatrice for the Derby. Yes, admittedly, I have not been anywhere close to that train since then. So, uh, no, actually, I didn't even pick him to win the Bluegrass that he did win. Um, so, no, I'm not. I'm not a Tapatrice lover. It'll be interesting to hear. Uh, a lot of the Saratoga jockeys will be at Monmouth on Saturday. Yeah. So th that's going to be another kind of curveball if you're playing Saratoga on Saturday. The, the second-tier jockeys are going to have big-time chances with Saez, Velasquez, Ired Ortiz, all at Monmouth Park riding in these major races as well. Yeah, it's, a, it's always kind of a little bit of a curveball. And uh, if you've seen the Saratoga card... Jockeys are going to be important, full fields, a lot of turf races. Uh, so that could be a little bit of a, a circus over there as well, which, again, it's it's a nice curveball. You might be able to find a price or two that maybe you wouldn't have found if, if say, an Irad or a Jose was in town or whatever, you know. Uh, so going to be really, really fascinating to see how this all uh, unfolds. All right, let's jump right into it here. We're going to cover the late pick five from Monmouth, starting with the 10th race. Here we go. Five kicks off with the Molly Pletcher going a mile and a 16th over the Monmouth Park dirt course here. Two turns for the Phillies. Uh, really interesting race here. Half million dollar grade three race. You kind of start out with looking at things, search results. Chad Brown brings two in here. The three horse distinctly possible and the four search results. Search results, your morning line favorite. Eight to five in this spot. Rosario picking up the mount since Pratt will be at Saratoga. Aaron, where are you going on top? <laughs> the Molly Pletcher is what you called this one. I love it. You're off to a great start. It's the Molly oh, Pitcher. Nah, whatever. It looks like Pletcher. We'll call it the Molly, the Molly Pitcher, the grade three from Monmouth Mile and 16th over the dirt course. Aaron, who do you like on top? <laughs> Already naming races after Todd Pletcher, apparently. Look, uh, I singled in the spot. Uh, I, I'll start off with a single so I could crash and burn real quick here. I love number four search results. I think this is she's just the absolute class of the field. Uh, you know, this is a classic horse where they try her in the big races and, oh, she comes so painfully close, but just can't beat horses like Clarier or Malathot last year. Uh, you know, horses like that, she just can't beat them. Bring her down here to Monmouth and it's a win. Last time out, she showed up with a real similar uh, resume, uh, you know, as far as leading up to the race here in the Molly uh, pitcher and uh, showed up and won by three links. And, and, and same kind of thing, got beat close race to Clarier, you know. So I... I just think she's way the class of the field. I think if she shows up with her best, it's a victory. So I'm going to single uh, search results to start this pick five. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. I, I have search results on top. I'm going to go too deep here. I'm going to throw one other horse on the ticket, but you hit the nail on the head. Look, when search results faces horses like Clarier and Malafat, she struggles. When she faces fields like this, she generally does, is able to get the job done. Saw her do that, like you said, in this race last year. I'm interested in one of the up-and-comers here. The six-horse love, the four-year-old here for Brendan Walsh, comes in, no real stakes experience, but has absolutely ripped through the conditions since coming back as a four-year-old. His buyers, the, Her buyers have improved every single race. I think she's going to sit a nice trip here. She may make the lead. She may sit right, right behind search results. 
to me, it's one of these two that gets the job done. I don't really want to spread much deeper than that. And I'm going to take a little bit of a swing with love to five to one and hope that we can continue to improve because this horse is one that's trending upwards. I love the pick of love. That's who I have in second in this race. I, I'm totally with you. Uh, you know, if you if you want to go too deep here, I think that is the one to use. Uh, I, I'm not real scared of anybody else. So I think that's smart. You know, uh, for for way I wanted to structure it, I wanted to get a couple of horses involved in the next race where I almost singled. So I just singled in this one. I think you single one of these first two and then you spread the rest. So uh, we seem to be kind of on the same wavelength. I, I'm with you. I think loved is the scary one. You just don't know what she is. Yeah, she's stepping up, but she's ready to step up. Holy cow. Just dominated. Yeah. Since she came back from a long, long layoff, she has done absolutely nothing wrong going three for three, improving every race. I looked at the seven first to act for a long time, too, here. And this is one of those where you look at Suge. He's 23% off 180-plus day layoffs, 17% in graded stakes. I thought it was really interesting that this horse, first time out as a five-year-old, shows up here. Didn't debut until the four-year-old season, but they clearly think a lot of her. Because she goes from restricted stakes to grade two to grade three to close out that four-year-old season. Did you look at first act at all, or is this kind of too big of a step up here for you? Yeah, I you know, I looked at first act a little bit. Suge's a tough one. I, I just have trouble getting him right sometimes, I feel like. Uh, I, I didn't think this horse was good enough. Now, if we do see improvement, like you said, off the layoff, coming back as a five-year-old, you know, curling horse sometimes can get a little bit better. Well, usually get they get better with age. Maybe, but it, it was too much of an improvement for me to put her on the ticket. And I, I think underneath, she makes a ton of sense. I, I'm not going to sit here and say I would be shocked, but I, I just don't believe this horse will be able to make that big of an improvement to beat a horse like Search Results or the up-and-comer like Loved. As a tough sequence as well, so it's hard to go deep in this race if you're going to use search results, who's going to go off. It's, it's probably one of your heavier favorites throughout the entire sequence. All right, let's move along now. Jump to the 11th race, the grade one United Nations, a mile and a three-eighths on the turf here. Interesting field of 10 here in this spot. You've got Red Knight, five to two on the morning line. The nine horse is one of your favorites. I'm not going to go there, though. I'm going to go to the three-horse catnip on top. Michael Stidham, Joel Rosario. I considered singling this horse, Aaron, which is shocking for me because it's Joel Rosario, and we know how I feel about him. But, man, the last three races we've seen from catnip are really impressive. A four-year-old who really coming into his own, able to win an N1X allowance, jump right up into the N2X allowance, and then run in the Monmouth, the grade three, kind of the local prep for this. Beat never explained speaking scout in that race. It looked really impressive doing so. It seemed like there was a ton left in the tank. What do you, uh, are you going with the three on top? You had to wear somewhere else in this spot. I didn't put the three on top, but I did use the horse. Uh, I, I'm only going to use two in this one and, and catnip is one of them. And I, I think the horse could get loose. And I think that's going to be uh, the big thing on this turf course. If you get loose, you might take them a long way. So I did use the three, uh, the, the horse actually is, I, I need to do this and get us to the next race there. See magic. We're missing him. Uh, <laughs> my top pick was red Knight, the nine. And I, I just feel like, this horse is the class of the group. Uh, I, I do know, or I do kind of consider why I use the three. It's like, well, if he doesn't have a lot of pace, he might struggle to get there. But uh, I, I think he's the class. I mean, this horse only lost by four links last time out to up to the mark, who I think is one to a hundred. If he's in this race, uh, you know, two races back did win the man award at the same distance, a mile and a three in three eights. Uh, you know, just when he gets beat, usually it's good horses that are beating him. This is, I mean, I know it's a grade one, but he definitely feels like a class dropper in this spot. So uh, I, I put the nine on top. I, I almost singled the nine, but again, he's a little bit, you know, he comes from way out of it. A three could sneak away from him. So I went three nine here. 
I left the nine out specifically because of what you talked about. It's hard to come from way off the pace at Monmouth, mm-hmm. and that's where you're going to see Red Knight coming from. Respect the heck out of the horse, not willing to take five to two on a deep closer who is going to be chasing what I believe is going to be a pretty slow pace. We'll see if Catnip able to go gate to wire if Rosario decides to hang out in second or third. Uh, I'm going to go with the six, and, and look, Michael also mentioned it. Watch Mandela. I, I think this is something you have to take a peek on. He doesn't ship horses. All that often outside of California. Mm-hmm. He's shipping two out here. We're going to talk about Go Rocket Ride in the next. Planetario shipping out here for the Grade One United Nations, I think, is absolutely live in this spot. Looked phenomenal second off the layoff, second out as a five year old, winning by open lengths with Hector Barrios aboard at Santa Anita uh, in a Grade Three race last time out. Uh, any step up from that is going to make him really, really tough in this spot. And the fact that Mandela decides to ship this horse out to me really tips the hand that he thinks this is one that can get the job done. Did you look at the Planetario at all, or did you? This is this kind of the, the next off for you. Where were you? Last horse off the ticket. Uh, we'll probably add it to my personal ticket, but we kind of have a budget for this show. Didn't put him on there. Listen, I. I... <laughs> I think he's going to be awfully tough. Uh, you know, one theme uh, about the Mandela thing, and you're 100% right, he just doesn't ship horses very often. And when they when he ships, they usually run really well. Uh, listen, I, I think, you know, two jockeys everybody likes to kind of hate on, Joel Rosario and Mike Smith. Boy, are they in some big spots on this card where oh, yeah. you're going to need them to ride how they are supposed to ride it for lack of a better explanation. So it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think Mandela, he's bringing a tough one in here. I, I think this horse is, is pretty darn good. It's weird. It, is this race a little too short for the horse? It seems like as we get up in distance, even further, like a mile and three quarters, he was really, really good mile and a half. He was good. I don't know. Going to be interesting to see if they keep Plantario out here, too. Like, because obviously they took the same fight together, right? Go Rocket Ride and Plantario. Yeah. And you'd wonder if Go Rocket Ride wasn't in the Haskell, would Plantario be here, right? right. Um, will they keep him here, right? Are they going to go to Saratoga if, let's say, Go Rocket Ride wins the Haskell? He's probably going on to the Travers. Do they bring Plantario there and run in some of the longer races there at Saratoga as well? Be interesting to see how that plays out and how Mandela decides to play his hand here with two horses that seem to be very good. All right, Aaron, let's jump into the main event. Let's do it, baby. The Haskell, grade one, $1 million TVG Haskell, the 12th race on Mama's card, smack dab in the middle of the pick five here, mile and an eighth over the dirt course. One of the more interesting grade one races we've ever had to handicap in the last year or so, I would say. Yeah. So many different directions you can go. And as you scroll down and we look at the entrance for that next race, it's going to be all about what the pace is going to be like here, right? I mean, that's going to be a key part of this. You've got Arabian Knight all the way on the outside who wants to hit the go button, probably has the fastest gate speed. Extra Anejo right to the inside, really fast as well. Oh, by the way, go Rocket Ride was going to be forwardly placed too. How do you see this thing shaking up early? And who crosses the wire first late? This is going to be a fascinating race. Uh, if if some like screwball wins this race, like the two or the six, we're going to be so disappointed. Not not because we hate the two or the six, just because you want to see a really big time performance here or a couple. Uh, yeah, the pace is going to be very interesting because one, seven, and eight are three elite horses, uh, and they're all wanting to go. So who can kind of be patient and sit off will be really important. I think it'll be fairly fast. I, I do think it could set up for Mage pretty well uh, in this spot. Uh, that being said, I have been waiting for the number eight Arabian Night to show back up in a race. Here he is. It's a really tough spot to come back <laughs> off of a layoff. There's no question about it. He has a really good trainer and 
He doesn't just run horses for the hell of it. I think he's bringing Arabian Night here because he thinks this horse is ready to fire a huge race. So I put Arabian Night on top. Uh, by no means a single for me, though, because I love the number one Go Rocket ride as well. He's another horse. I've been waiting for him. Uh, I, I was going to bet him in the Santa Anita Derby before he spiked the fever. He came back off of that, you know, had to have, have a layoff, came back in the affirmed uh, stakes last time out at Santa Anita. Very workmanlike, solid effort. I think he improves off of that race. I think he's tough as well. So 8-1 were my top two. I did go four deep in here, but I'll let you go now. Tell you uh, what you want to talk about. Look, I can't I can't get off the major train here. I, I just I think it sets up so perfectly for Mage again in this yeah. spot. And you know, we talked about it at the start. There's there's one proven horse in here. It's Mage. He's yep. the one who has was able to win the Kentucky Derby. And ran second to Forte. And I think people kind of forget how good Forte is. Even after the Belmont, which I thought was a very good effort from Forte to end up in second there. Probably your best three-year-old right now still. People kind of forget that. Like this is So if you're going to look back and you're going to say, okay, who in this race has danced the dances? It's Mage. And Mage yeah. has the big win. Mage has a nice Florida Derby running second there. Now we're coming back. The one concern, is this the goal or was the Travers the goal? I don't think you're running in here if you're not fully keyed up. So I think you're going to see a, a mage set up and ready to go. And then the pace. And to me, that's really where it is. I, the seven and the eight, I think, are going to go gangbusters. I don't see how, if you're Gaffleon and Asterson, you're letting the eight get loose. And I think if, you, if the seven and the eight go crazy early, it sets up for someone to come from behind and make a big move late. And to me, that horse is mage. Uh, we know that he can. When he's had pace to chase, he's run very, very well. You look at that Preakness. I would have loved to see a better effort, but were we really that shocked that it wasn't that great of an effort? I, I mean, you're coming off two weeks off the Derby where the horse runs a career best. It's a smaller horse, and then you have absolutely no pace to chase in the race. I, I'm not going to hold that preakness against him. I think he comes back here fresh and is able to run a huge race. So I'll put the four mage on top. And the other must use for me is the one go rocket ride because you mentioned, like, who's going to get the trip? Go rocket ride is going to get the trip. And that, that workmanlike effort at Santa Anita last time is the perfect cookie cutter type race you want here to sit right behind the seven and the eight and then get first run on the two of them and say, okay, mage, come and get me. And that's kind of how I see this race playing out is that you're going to see the seven and the eight go. You're going to see the one sit right behind in the pocket and the one will get first run. The one I think go rocket ride makes the lead. And it's whether or not mage can run down, go rocket ride late. I, I couldn't agree more with any, either thing you said. Uh, this go rocket ride, you said it, set the perfect pocket trip the last time. Now, listen, he beat easier or much easier competition. However, he did it very easily. He's just going to sit behind seven and eight. He's going to hope that they, they kind of come back to him just a bit. Going to make that move at the top of the stretch and, and see what happens. And Mage is going to be trying to do his slingshot around that turn like he does. And, uh, that's what sets up something really, really fascinating because, you know, what if the seven stumbles? What if the eight stumbles? Then all of a sudden it could be loose on the lead. If they both go out like you think, then then we've got a real horse race. You just, it kind of gives you chills just thinking about it. So I'm with you on the one. Listen, with, with Mage, and I put Mage on the ticket. He's the third horse I put on. I went four deep here. Um, with Mage, your, everything you said is correct. I guess my only thing is, what does he really want to do, right? He, we've seen him set the pace. We've seen him stalk. We've seen him come from way out of it. We've seen him stalk again. I don't really know where he'll be. I know one thing's for sure. He's not going to be contesting the pace if the seven or eight are out there flying. So how far is he behind Go Rocket Ride? Is he right there with him? I, I'm not really sure where he'll be. 
my thing with him and why I didn't put him on top, I still am a little skeptical that the Derby was was kind of just a freakish type of race from him. And he might be more of just the Florida Derby type. But the Florida Derby type mage will come in here and be very competitive and could win. So I get it. I, I've got him in third. And then finally, uh, the fourth horse I had on was Extra Anejo. And I, it for me, and I'll let you speak on him as well. I'll kick it to you here. But he just feels like the we still have no clue the like what's the bottom of him. What what is his highest potential, right? Yeah, I think it's an interesting spot to put extra Neo in. And, and that to yeah. me is why I used the horse. I ended up going one four seven. I'm gonna leave Arabian Knight off the ticket and, and try and get around the favorite, try and get around Baffert here. Uh and we'll we'll actually I'll, I'll ask you a question before I talk about extra Neo. Okay. Who's the favorite and what do they go off at? Uh, Arabian Knight's gonna be the favorite. I think two to one see i think it's like seven to five and and that's one of the reasons i want to leave arabian night off here i think arabian night's gonna take all the money we've seen baffert ship in and and run very well in the haskell consistently this is a horse that's going to get a ton of buzz to me i an extra nail i think you know mike someone brought up chris brings up the point here really confident spot here for masterson to put extra nail in here and it's the other part about why shipping go rocket ride out here matters so much we kind of knew who was in this field you knew that Major was planning on being here. You knew Tapatrice was planning on being here. You knew that Arabian Night was going to be here. And yet still you have Extra Neo and Go Rocket Ride who decided to show up and face off in this Haskell for trainers that don't overly aggressively place their horses all that often. Mandela rarely shifts, and Ashison's not an idiot trainer who's like, hey, I'm just going to take shots, you know? Yeah. I think Extra Neo, because he's inside of Arabian Night, is probably going to go a little bit, and then it's going to be whether or not Velasquez wants to make it crazy. If he makes if Velasquez makes it crazy, they both don't finish. Mm-hmm. If Velasquez sits behind him, I think Arabia or Extra Neo could take this field gate to wire. And mm-hmm. I, so to me, it's whichever one gets the lead could go gate to wire. I think it's so much more likely Extra Neo ends up getting the lead in Arabian Night backs off than vice versa. And I, I think that's why I like Extra Neo more than Arabian Night in this spot. Yeah, I, I I think all your points are valid there, you know, especially the shipping part of it with Mandela. You know, Mandela certainly knew Arabian Night was going right, and for him to say, "Yeah, we'll go take a shot up there," yeah, that's a guy that's pretty conservative usually. Yeah, your extra Neho thought is is interesting, and with a horse like Arabian Night, as good as I think he is, it's been a long time, and you know, what if he kind of breaks a little flat footed? I could I wouldn't be shocked if he kind of needs to knock the rust off just a bit. Also, wouldn't be shocked if he caught a flyer and just took him gate to wire. But uh, it could be the opposite, too. So the extra Neho thing, people are bringing up, he could have been in the Curlin. I think when you have a horse like extra Neho, you just you don't even think about the Curlin, really. So I don't blame him there. But the Jim Dandy, I think, would have been a spot where he's loose and it may be an easier spot. But they went right here. And I think it's because, look, look, we got a really good horse. It's a grade one race. Let's go after it and not. That's enough for me to say, okay, I'm going to put him on this ticket because they think he's doing exceptionally well. They being the Asmussen crew, those guys don't miss very often, right? They've won all those races for a reason, Asmussen and his in his assistance. So I, I'm all about the seven in the spot as well. I've got to put the – that's why I had to go four deep. It's like, gosh, you can see all the angles with one, four, seven, and eight here. Yeah, we, we haven't even talked about the five tap at Trice, so let's jump into the five tap at Trice. By the way, just kind of fun fact, Aaron, $3 million plus horses in the Haskell. <laughs> the seven extra Neo, $1.35 million. The, the five or eight horse Arabian Knight, $2.3 million in sales. And the five tap at Trice, $1.3 million. I can't remember a three-year-old race like the Haskell and Travers with that many million-dollar horses 
that are sitting in it. So really interesting to see how that has played out and how the investments have actually paid off in a lot of these cases yeah. with some of these horses. Uh, although Arabian Knight has only ran twice. Probably make an argument he's worth $2.3 million at this point. Tapit Trice, neither of us are using him. No. This is a horse that's been hyped up for Pletcher since early in the season. A lot of people got a high behind it in the Belmont. I know certain people may have liked him in the Derby as well. Yeah. Why are you cold on Tapit Trice now? What has changed for you since since picking him in the Derby and now to where we are today? Yeah, I really uh, – I was there the day he won the Bluegrass, and I was super impressed. I thought, man, he's he's put it together. He simply hasn't put it together. The last two races show it, right? The Derby – the Derby is what really got me off of him because – he broke better than he's ever broke almost in that race. And he was sitting mid pack as they were kind of approaching the wire for the first time. And I'm sitting there on the live stream going, he's going to do exactly what I wanted him to do in this race. And by the time they get to the turn, he's last and you go back and look at it. It's not because they outran him. It's because he started goofing around. He's just started doing stupid things. I don't really think he's a slow horse. I just think he's a goofy horse and you got to tell him what to do. You look at the Belmont, he had, there's no excuse. If he was a really good horse, he would have won the Belmont and he couldn't. So, uh, you know, I, I think back to Mo Donegal after exiting last year's Derby, you go back and you watch his replay and it's like, he ran exceptionally better than Tappet Trice when you go back and watch his replay. So that, you know, last year in the Belmont, I was all over Mo Donegal because I thought this is, this is a horse that he has it together mentally. Things just didn't go his way in the Derby you look at Tapatrice, I just couldn't see that. So I couldn't get behind him at all in the Belmont. Look, this race, it does set up, but I mean, in what world is he going to outkick, let's say seven and eight go out, all right, and they burn each other out. Okay, maybe he can catch them. In what world is he going to outkick go rocket ride in Mage? I haven't seen a race where he can do it. Even the race in the Bluegrass City won. I haven't seen the turn of foot that could do it. So I think for him to win, all of those four horses we talked about are going to have to really get into a duel or a couple of them just aren't going to fire. Yeah, you know, The last thing you said there, I think, is the key, the turn of foot to do it. He just he's a grinder. He just yeah. is like it's it, and when we talked about the Derby, and you watch that replay back and Mage beating him to every single hole. He's just not nearly as athletic as, as Mage is at this point. And, and, you know, I still think he could develop into a very, very good horse down the line. I still would say he's a horse you want to look for in the Breeders' Cup Classic if he can take steps forward. But I still have not seen him take those steps forward. Mm-hmm. And I, I think we all thought he could after that bluegrass effort. Saez had to really work to keep him close to that pace. I'm not sure he's going to be anywhere near this pace. If they go 46 or 47, which I think is very, very likely, but he's 12 lengths off, 13 lengths off. Like, is that going to be the way to win at Monmouth? Ah, that's a tough way to win the Haskell, a track that generally favors speed horses. I'm not out on Tappet Trice. I'm just still not in on Tappet Trice. And that's kind of where it's like, you need to show me something if you want me to be able to really jump in. And, and you mentioned the Belmont. He had every right to out, to run down Archangelo there, right? I know Archangelo got a great trip, was able to skim the rail, but he didn't even get by Forte. Like, okay? no, it, <laughs> like, and that, to me, was the damning fact in that race. And you watch Forte's race. Forte wasn't even close to being his normal self. He was not ready to run in that race. They forced him into it, which I think it was more of the owner than the trainer. But, you know, I'm not blaming Pletcher for that. But Pletcher got him as, as good as he could get him. You watch Forte on the turn. He looked done. And then all of a sudden, he's able to re-rally and beat a, a tap of trice. I mean... Look, if he wins this race and you use him, pat you on the back, you're alive, good job. He's not for me, and he's not going to be for me. 
until he shows he can do something other than what he's done. And I, I think the most disappointing part for me, he really ran a race in the bluegrass mentally, I'm saying, that gave hope because I do think the talent is there. I don't think it's a question of talent, but he has done the opposite of what he did in the bluegrass the last two races. So I'm, I'm not on him again until he shows me he can kind of run a bluegrass type of race from a style standpoint. Got one more horse in here to talk about the three or salute the stars, Brad Cox in a three-year-old race. Generally that is a pretty good thing. Uh, but right now he's the longest price of any of the horses sub 10 to one. Uh, Joel Rosario picks up the mount for salute the stars. Nice win over Kings Barnes last time. A horse, a lot of people were high on, uh, for me, this is just too big a step up. I, I mean, this he he is mid American Derby. He's not Haskell in my mind, and that's why I couldn't. I didn't even really consider him in this spot. I, yeah, and to show you how much I dislike Tappa Trice, I thought about the three before the five, even. So, but I, I'm with you on that. And honestly, I've kind of thrown speed figures completely out the window at this point because visually you watch some races and you're like, that really wasn't a good race. And I felt like that salute the stars ran a good race, but that wasn't like a superstar type of race. Right. Uh, he barely beat Kings Barnes. Kings Barnes didn't really fire, but his number comes back similar to a lot of these. And it's like, no, I, I don't really think that horses, I think that's a faulty number. And I think we're seeing more and more faulty numbers. I wouldn't be absolutely shocked because it's Brad Cox and it just kind of seems to do this every once in a while, wins a race and kind of surprises everybody. He would be a surprise to me. I, I like Christopher's comment uh, here, though. Yeah, underneath at a decent price, can he get up maybe second, maybe third? Yeah, I think it's possible, especially if we do get a lot of uh, uh, horses coming back uh, off of the pace. But I, I couldn't get there. As far as, you know, we're putting together a pick five ticket. I don't feel strongly enough that he can win. Yeah, to me, it's just it's such a big step up, and it does feel a very turfy breeding. I mean, it's Candy Ride of a Malibu Moon Mare, and they started the first two on the turf here. The third one was supposed to be on the turf, ends up getting rained off, goes to the dirt, wins that race, then jumps into the local prep for this. It just seems like a big ask to be able to get the job done here, and, and just a kind of a lesser version of some of the other horses in here. Really interesting, Haskell. I'm excited for this race on Saturday. Going to be a phenomenal one there. Last question for you. Okay. Mage runs second by a neck to go rocket ride who does castellano ride in the traverse because he's got his choice between archangelo and mage it looks like i would probably pick archangelo Ooh, interesting i i mean tough we're, to get off the kentucky derby winner we're assuming he, i mean you said if he loses right well, i, I, I want to make it so he, he's close to winning or wins very in a very close race so that's because that's how it but, if he runs fourth by, by loses by 10, he's not going to Travers. So that doesn't make the question interesting, right? Right. I, I think he jumps off of him. I really do. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I, I think you stay with Mage. I think I think he's you stick with him versus going to Archangelo. But it'll be a big time decision there as Archangelo coming out of the Belmont win, training up to the Travers. Looked really good, uh, by the way, in training. And you know who was uh, on site to watch the workout? I do not. Castellano. He was standing right next to the trainer, uh, Antonucci, uh, just so that he could see it. Going to be really interesting to see which way he goes there, if that is a decision. Let's move ahead now to the fourth leg of the pick five. Uh, we're out of the stakes company, but we still got a couple interesting races here. $57,000 N1X allowance going a mile on the turf course. The penultimate leg, as, as Magic would say, <laughs> of this late pick five here at Monmouth. By the way, were you surprised there's only, two, there's only one pick five on this card? 
I did not realize there's only one pick five. Are you kidding me? No, one pick five, three pick fours. That was what DRF had listed uh, this morning when I downloaded the PPs. No, it says there's a pick five in race one. But I did not have it in mine. Is there one now listed there? There is one listed on the one I'm looking at. There's Yeah, and there's one listed in race five. Yeah. Unbelievable. Well, thanks for adding those late, DRF. All right. Well, anyway, the, the yeah. last of the pick fives and the last of three on the card. There are also, I think it's three pick fours or four pick fours as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is another interesting race. I just you got a decent-sized field. got quite a few horses that you can turn to if you'd like to. Uh, for me, I... I kind of landed on the seven Cecile here coming out of a stakes race, coming in from Belmont. Lindsay Schultz, not a well-known trainer, only 67 starts this year. But when she and Castillo get together, they're 30% at Monmouth, 35% across the country. And look, Laguerre tax implications, those are the best horses that anyone's faced in this race. So I feel like you have a class edge on the seven Cecile here as well. I use Cecile. I think that's a really good pick. Uh, I, I definitely think this is a horse that, uh, it, like I said, it's getting a big class drop. That was a tough race last time out. Uh, got beat by horses that are going to be running in Friday's Lake George, so nothing to be too ashamed about. I, I like the seven as well. Uh, I liked the five white lilacs a little bit as well. I know the last two races have been in claiming company, but now we're coming first off the claim for Pino Paco Lopez, who is the man at Monmouth Park, uh, gets aboard or is aboard once again, I should say, for the third straight race. So riding through the claim. Um, I, I I think this is a pretty nice horse that I think is going to come up and fire a big one here with Paco. So I used the five, uh, seven as well. Then I thought the nine made a ton of sense uh, as well. Another one coming over from Belmont. Uh, got beat by uh, Sweet Lose, got aces by only a length and a half. I think that's a nice horse. So I thought the nine made sense as well. So those were kind of my top three. Yeah, I, I went just seven, nine here. Uh, I, I th- Look, the, the nine horse, come on, shipping in, you get Rosario up, who's usually one of his go-to guys here and going to be one of the best jockeys you're going to see a lot of these races. It's a four-year-old by Frank. It was sold for $400,000. Feels like needs to take that next step forward. But like you said, Sweet Lou's got aces. Pretty good horse through that New York circuit, especially at that mile distance. So I think this is a good spot for Fortunio to be able to step up and, and try and get the win. I didn't like that five at all. I'm surprised you went to White Lilacs. I agree on the Paco front. Um, but man, Pino with him, with this horse, when he had him, when he was a three-year-old did not do much there. I looked the four Ruta for a long time. Did you consider the four at all? Yeah, I, I, I thought about the four for a long time as well. Uh, went back and forth on that one a bit and just end of the day, I, I couldn't quite put on the ticket, but, uh, I wouldn't talk anybody off the four. I like that one. Um, I, I got a crazy one for you. Let's do it. My last one on the ticket. What about the six? Did you look at the six at all? I have the six and fourth. Okay. I, I, this was the last horse on the ticket. I added the six coming out of two sprints. Now we're going to a route. We have a route pedigree. Um, and Johnny Velasquez picks up the mount. I think this horse might pop out of the gate pretty quick and try to take this field gate to wire. Uh, you look at the race four back and I know I'm going back a ways, tried to do that at Gulfstream park with Siaz aboard. Now we've had uh, a couple of maybe non-aggressive types on him. And now we've got a pretty aggressive rider in Velasquez. So I added the six uh, uh, as the fourth horse on the ticket. I think the six has a good shot at wiring this field. If, if John is, if Velasquez was able to do what he does with a lot of the speed horses, I love how size Velasquez rides speed horses because they don't ask for that much, but they get up to the lead comfortably, right? So you don't mm-hmm. see them really shaking the reins and then pulling back on the horse. They're able to go, 23 and three but a comfortable 23 and three and able to get to the lead to me the big question here is what does worst behavior do uh service bringing this one in 
out of two back-to-back dirt sprints, has enough speed to go push anyone in this race if he wants to. But his turf efforts, he's not done that. And so the question really is, does worse behavior go forward and try and set the pace here? Or are we going to let someone like the six and Sage will do it? And if, if the six does, I think Velasquez could wire this field. That's why I did have interest in him, but didn't end up making the ticket because I only went too deep here. Yeah, I just think this horse is interesting. Uh, another one uh, the people are, at least Michael's talking about, the two getting Saez uh, for Breen. Yeah, I mean, I thought about this one as well. Um, I, I just couldn't quite get there uh, with the two. Do you think about the two at all? Yeah, the two is a consideration for me. Um, yeah. I, the one I think is a little bit interesting as well. Gaffleon, second time out as a four-year-old, adding blinkers. Uh, but Breen with blinkers, only 5%, one for 21 uh, over the last five years when he adds them. So it, to me, that's not a huge thing. And the horse was 60-1, to one, two back, 30-1 to one last time. Not really interested in trying to take a shot with him. I do think Broston Princess, look, the best races have come against a lot worse, right? I mean, we're talking about allowance or, or optional stakes races at Gulfstream outside of the championship meet. Like to me, this is a pretty big step up here, but adding Saez is definitely a plus. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. So we'll see if he can kind of turn, uh, turn the, um, you know, well, I wouldn't say turn the form around, but just jump up in class here and get it done. I like the brain takes over. Uh, I think that's good. So yeah, we'll see what happens. Let's move on to the final leg of the late pick five here at Monmouth Park. Race number 14, maiden special weight, $57,000, going a mile and 70 yards over the main track. Your favorite, the one horse, Phelpsy, five to two. Does he swim into the winner's circle this week? I love it. I love it. See, we're we're not missing magic. We just had to, you know, we had to get a couple of races under our belts here. We can probably fire him now. I like the one. <laughs> we're not firing him. Just kidding. I like the one. I, I I think the one makes a ton of sense here. Uh, you know, didn't run very well last time out, but the race two back was good enough to compete here. So I did use the one. Uh, I I thought you could go a few different ways. I like Life on the Nile, the three horse, a little bit as well. And I know it's a career maiden, and I know what you're probably going to say about me using this horse, but I just feel like the last three races stand out amongst the other 10, right? So the first 10, it's like, you're not anywhere really close to ever threatened. He's really threatened in the last three. And it's been since he showed up at Monmouth. So I just feel like could hold on and win this time around. So the one and the three were my, uh, were my top two. Yeah, look, the three is going to find his friends at some point, right? And we're getting very close to finding those friends. The Oakland Park waters were a little too deep. The Monmouth waters seems like it fits well. There's just a couple of horses in here that interest me too much to use the three. And I'm going to try and go against the one here who I think is going to get heavily bet down. And Like, are we sure that horse is good? Like, it's, I know it's sold for a million dollars, but yeah. debuts at Saratoga, gets Ired Ortiz up and it's four to one, does absolutely nothing, comes back at Backwaduck. And it's 10 to 1. Doesn't even get bet a little bit in second career start off that Saratoga effort. And then goes to the Aqueduct Belmont. Now we're at Monmouth. I mean, this is just like dropping down in the Chad Barn rankings, right? Where you're going from worst barn to worst barn of his. I'm not willing to lay a short price, especially with Rosario on the rail, who you know is not going to go forward with this horse. To me, uh, give me the seven horse here. Uh, Penzance, you got his Michael Stidham horse. This is a dolphin homebred. I thought that last race was a really good one. You go watch it back. It kind of just feels like a prep race for a horse that clearly wants to go longer. It's the son of Uncle Mo out of a Bernardini mare. Uh, two turns should be phenomenal for this horse. Talked about adding blinkers last race. When Stidham does it, he hits at 27% or 20% in the last 25 efforts. Second maiden start, 19% with a $2.46 ROI. I think you're going to see a very nice race out of the seven here. So I'm, I'm going to put the seven on top. 
And then I'm going to go to the horse, the other Chad Brown here, leading contender. The five is my second pick. Nine to two on the morning line. It's a four-year-old son of Gunrunner. The horse ran at three, and then they gelded it. And now we're coming back here. It's Gunrunner on the top, Bodemeister on the bottom. Another horse that I feel like wants that extra distance. And did you see what uh, what made in that race, race that was? Uh, I did. The Express Man race, yes. The Express Man. Express Man and unlimited yep. potential there. Uh, really interesting race that they came out of. That was one that I think it got like a 98 buy or something crazy like that. Now we're going to see him for the first time since then. Get 92, a nice price. Castellano picks up the mound. So I, I went 7-5 on top here. Did you use anyone else? Uh, I went, let's see, what have I, who have I not talked about? I haven't talked about the four, right? Uh, yeah, that's a horse that beat the seven last time out. So I, I used the four instead of the seven. I was going to use one or the other. I, I did use the four. I think the four could be loose on the lead. So I went one, three, four. And then my weird one is the eight. I, I thought this horse was pretty interesting. Tried the turf last time out. Did not run very well at all. Um, now we're in the dirt. I have a lot of respect for Delgado. He wins at these tracks <laughs> like Monmouth and like Gulfstream. So I thought, you know what? At 12 to 1, this horse may jump up and run a little bit better today. I need some some spice in this last one. So I used the 8 for kind of the odd horse that may jump up and run very, very well. So I was 754. Those are the three I used in the ticket. The eight was my last horse off. Um, and you, you mentioned Delgado. We talked about the seven and how that, that clearly felt like a setup for a two-turn race. That turf effort was a setup for a dirt effort. That was just to get the horse experience. It went off a 32 to 1. Did you notice the turf to dirt numbers? 37% for Jorge Delgado. Mm -hmm. One of, he likes to debut horses on the turf and then run them back second time out on the dirt. That's what we're seeing here. It's a move that he had success with. And you got to feel like you just didn't see the best from this horse the first time. You're going to get every bit of that 12 to 1 price, maybe even bigger on race day. So I would definitely not talk you off of the 8 at all because – this is just to me one of those really interesting horses that could pop at a price. Yeah, I I just feel like it's just one of those things where I'm like, you know what? If I'm alive here and and Delgado beats me on a horse where it's like, yeah, you could make a case that he's going to run a lot better, I'll be super mad. So I, I like the seven is a horse I almost put on because it's like, you know what? If I'm using the four, let's try to yeah. get some spice. Let's try to get the eight in. So we'll see what happens. Should be a fun late pick five there from Monmouth. Let's run through the tickets here before we take off. Aaron, uh, since you're the guest, you can go first here, man. All right. Well, I'm going to single search results in the first leg. So I'm going to go four with three, nine with one, four, seven, eight with two, six, seven, nine with one, three, four, eight. It'll be a $64 ticket. I'm going to spend a little bit less, go $54, but I don't have any big bombs in here. So this is one of those tickets where I didn't want to go crazy with the price. So I'll start out with the four, six, with three, six, with one, four, seven, with seven, nine, with four, five, seven to close it out. 54 bucks should be a very, very fun Haskell day and a fun late pick five sequence. Aaron, I know you're doing a show a little bit later. Dudes, uh, dudes who bet here covering the late pick five from Saratoga. Yeah, at 5 o'clock Central Time, uh, Papa Dude and I will be doing the Late Pick 5 at Saratoga. We do it a little bit different uh, than the Magic Mike show. We combine our thoughts and put together one group ticket. Uh, so, Or, well, group, my dad and I's ticket. And uh, last week, man, it was a heartbreaker. Uh, we, we did pretty well, but ultimately lost. So like happens with a lot of Pick 5s. You feel like you did well, you still lost. But, yeah, we'll be back at 5. That's going to be cool. And then Blinker's off at 7 uh, tonight, 7 Central. So, yeah, a lot going on on the channel. We've got two shows already in. We've got two more to go. 
It's going to be a phenomenal weekend of racing as well. Del Mar opens tomorrow. Join the uh, Dudes After Dark crew for the live Del Mar show tomorrow. We've got phenomenal racing from Monmouth, from Saratoga, from Del Mar on Saturday as well. So it should be a lot of fun. Thank you very much for joining us here for the Magic Mike Show. Good luck with all your bets this weekend, and good luck for the Haskell. We'll see you on Monday. Weekend racing, it's time to recap it. And who better to do it than Michael New Magic? Two bros slash pros who cover the highs and lows of racing around the globe on every one of their shows. Real fans look forward to these guys and their last thoughts because they know they're not talking out of their royal ascot. What they say makes sense. So, ladies and gents, sit back and relax as Blinkers Off presents The Magic Mike Show, where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week the magic mic show you can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by racing dudes.com